There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Let's say it together. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and that harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet in Jesus' name. Remain standing. I want you to go to this scripture. I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke was a doctor. Say Dr. Luke. And uh, he was a Gentile, so he was a non-Christian. Excuse me, he was a non-Jewish doctor. And uh, in all of that, Luke gives us a very interesting uh, take on his observations of Jesus. Because he's looking at it through a very technical way. Because his background and his pedigree as a doctor makes him pay attention to details that other people would ignore. See, doctors will look at a body and you'll just say that's a body, but a doctors will be looking at a vein to determine. You, you catch my point? They're looking at other things. And so that's how Luke gives us his account. Luke 10, 30. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man, say a certain man. And because it says a certain man, that means you could put your name right there. So say your name. Uh, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Watch what they did to him. They stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him. Then they departed. Watch this. Leaving him half dead. Now, the book says that he fell amongst thieves. But to fall amongst thieves meant to, has to mean that he was around thieves, which meant that he had thieves in his circle he didn't know about. Just look at your neighbor and say, check your circle. Because mm -hmm. sometimes the thief you're looking for isn't outside of your house. Okay. Sometimes the thief you're looking for isn't out there. Sometimes it's sitting right around you. Verse 33. Let's skip down to verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Let's go back to focus on verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man, that certain man or woman today, hear me, is you and I. 
went from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves. So he's in a battle. Uh huh. They stripped him, they wounded him, they departed, and they left him half dead. But I'm going to put the shout on the front end before the, uh, before the end of the message today. If they left him half dead, that means he was still half alive. I came to tell somebody at this 11.15, I know some people have left you. I know you lost some money. I know you lost some stuff. But you got enough with the half that's left to get to where you're going. Every battle, every problem already won. Father, customize, tailor, make this message for us, your people, that we would move and walk in what you have ordained. And that is that this year, that it would be our banner year. That is our best year yet marked by significant accomplishment and achievement. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five two or three people. Tell them this. Say the battle to check your circles. The battle to check your circles. You can be seated. Uh-huh. We are in our series already won. Every battle, every problem already won. We just have to walk out what Jesus already worked out on the cross. And in this series, we're focusing on the everyday battles that we face. And a battle is a fight or struggle to achieve or resist something. And the reality is most of the times we think of the big battles that we face, but we don't often take into consideration the everyday battles that we face. It's normally not the big battles that define us. It's the everyday battles that define us. And I want to say this to somebody, victory in your life never occurs without a battle. And we cannot judge God's faithfulness to us, nor our progress in life, because we're in a battle that's still in progress that you haven't won yet. I'm going to say that again. You cannot judge God's faithfulness nor your progress because you're in a battle that's still in progress that you haven't won yet. I know you got some stuff going on in your life right now that makes you feel like you're losing, but the battle is still in progress. I know you got some stuff happening that's making you question why you're alive and why you're still here and what's going on in your life, but the battle is still in progress. Today's battle, say today's battle is to check your circles. Your circle refers to a group of people with shared professions, interests, or acquaintances. And since we face battles on the daily, it's important that we check our circles so that we don't go in circles. That's what happened to the man in the parable. He now did not check his circle, so he enters a battle that leaves him wounded, that leaves him stripped, that leaves him by himself, and he is half dead. And all of it happens because he did not know how to handle the daily battle of checking his circles but you from this moment forward there's some battles you're going to be able to avoid because you're going to learn how to check your circles in fact watch this we can think in circles if we don't check our circles so goes your circle so goes your life when your circle improves your life improves when your circle decreases your life decreases when your circle is down to nothing that means God is up to something in you And you do need to know that whenever somebody's giving birth to something, everybody cannot be in the delivery room, which is why some of you say, Bishop, check my circle. There ain't nobody to check. It's just me. Well, baby, that's good news because that means God is birthing a new version of you. It is your evolution time to go from an inferior level to a superior level, to unveil, to expand, to unfold. Say, check my circle. Now, you do need to know that even if your circle is only you, you still need to check you because sometimes you are the greatest influence that you will ever have in your life. And so sometimes it's not other people that are the issue. It's the you that's in you that's the issue for you. But today. Now, there are three types of people currently in your circle, and you could potentially be one of these three. The first are wine. Wine people get better over time. A fine wine needs to age so that it's at its best. 
But then you have people that are in your circle, and it could be you, that are milk. Milk spoils over time. I don't know about you, but I remember one time where I was making a bowl of cereal. I poured it out, and I didn't just have a regular bowl. Watch this. Where are my real cereal eaters at? Uh, I got one of them big old cake mixing bowls. Y'all ain't... Okay, y'all gonna look at me like you don't know about putting cereal in a cake mixing bowl. And I poured it and I said, this is gonna be some good cereal. I said, I'm so excited about what I'm getting ready to dine in. This is going to be an incredible meal. And I went to grab the milk and I just started pouring the milk and I said, this milk so is thick. Maybe it's just frozen because I left it in there a little long. And then I smelled it and it was sour. Check it out. You got wine people in your circle and it could be you. But then you have milk people in your circle and it could be you. This is where they spoil and sour over time. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it you start out so fired up about something and then all of a sudden your passion wanes? Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that you're on fire for something and then your fire begins to wane? Could it be that there's something in you that has milk tendencies? Where it starts out great, but then it begins to sour and it begins to spoil. And when it begins to sour and spoil, if you drink it, it'll cause indigestion. You got wine people in your circle. You got milk people in your circle. And then you have flat out poison. Poison. Stop it. Say poison. Poison is designed to destroy you over time. I remember watching this show uh, called Snapped on TV. Anybody ever seen Snap? And on Snap, they was talking about this particular individual. They were poisoning somebody that they said that they loved. Back it up. They were poisoning somebody that they said that they loved. Back it up again. They were poisoning somebody that they said that they loved. Do you have somebody that's poisoning you, but they tell you that they love you? Okay, watch this. They were poisoning somebody that they said that they loved. And as they were poisoning them, they gave them a little bit over time so that the poison began to build up in their system until one day the body couldn't handle it because it accumulated it so much. Check it out. Poisonous people in your life, their toxicity begins to build up in your life. And then one day, all of a sudden, you're not the you that you need to be because poison has accumulated on the inside of you. Sometimes you need to realize that you can care for people, you just need to care at a distance. That you can love people, you just need to love them at a distance. That you can want the best for people, but you got to love them at a distance. Because you're poison, and if you're poisonous, you're not going to do anything but destroy me over time. Why in the world do you keep going back to the same friends that have betrayed you? Why in the world do you keep going back to the same places that hurt you? Why in the world do you keep dealing with the same poisonous people in your circle? Three types. Wine, what's the second one? Milk, that's the third one. Poison. You could be one of those, though, influencing yourself. Have you ever noticed how sometimes you can talk yourself out of things? Have you ever noticed how you can have very negative self-talk? You can have very negative moments with yourself. You know how to smile in front of everybody else. You know how to impress everybody else. But when you get by yourself, it's like drinking Drano with a side of bleach. And now you are doing nothing but poisoning yourself. And you, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This isn't going to work. Nothing ever works for me. God, I don't know what's going on. Hey, how you doing? I'm blessed. Well, today, I just feel it in the atmosphere. I came to speak it into somebody's life that if you've been poisoned to yourself, that ends right now. If you've been milked to yourself, that ends right now. Baby, you are like a fine wine, which means you're going to get better over time. I dare you to stop by and body a high five and say, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And here it is, I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. The parable Jesus gave us was teaching about a man 
And he was really teaching us ultimately how to have compassion for others. But I want to talk about the other part of the parable, about the man that was left half dead. The Bible says he went, can we just go line upon line, precept upon precept? Let's just study it out. He went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem means city of peace. Jericho means a fragrant place. For something to be fragrant, which means it has a sweet smell, something has to first be crushed. See, you can't have a nice perfume without crushing a flower. You cannot have olive oil without crushing an olive. Check it out. This sets the stage that while the experience for this man started out sour, God intended for something sweet to come from it. Which means, watch this, say it may start bad, but something good's going to happen. I dare you to lay your hands on yourself and prophesy out to yourself. That means declare to yourself. Say, whatever may have started out bad is going to bring forth something good. Stop talking about I wasted so much time. No, something good's getting ready to come out of that. Stop talking about I can't believe I made that mistake. Something good is coming out of that. Jerusalem to Jericho. So he goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then the Bible says that they stripped him, which means that this man felt ashamed, vulnerable, unprotected, uncovered, and foolish, all because of the people that were in his circle. It says that he fell amongst thieves. And what's significant about that is that you can't fall amongst what you're not close to. You cannot fall amongst what you're not first close to. So he felt ashamed. He felt vulnerable. He felt unprotected, uncovered, and foolish. Is there anybody in the 1115 where you've ever felt ashamed, vulnerable, unprotected, uncovered, and foolish? Watch this. Because of who you trusted in your circle. For some people, watch this. I want to solve a question for you. It's not that you have trust issues. It's just that you just don't trust your circle with you, which is an indication it's time for a circle upgrade. If you can't be the real you around your circle, that's the wrong circle. If you can't tell your dreams and your visions and your thoughts to the people around you, that's the wrong circle. If they don't love God the way you love God, that's the wrong circle. Better to be an eagle and fly by yourself than be a chicken down here with a crazy circle. They stripped him. They took away what made him unique. They took away what made him special. They took away what made him different. Because watch this. Whenever you discover your difference, you discover your value. What's the difference between a particular hamburger chain that mentions five different gentlemen and another burger chain that may have a king or a queen or some other figure that's connected to it? Come on, be a good church. Some of y'all are lost. Don't <laughs> know. What's the difference? That's the difference. Now you mentioned, what's the difference? Well, that's the difference. One approaches it from one angle. The other approaches it from another angle. The angle one approaches it from is 99 cents. The one another approaches it from, for the same product that's done differently, it's now more valuable. Whenever you get in a circle that cannot appreciate difference, what they will do is strip you. It's the same thing that happened to Joseph. Joseph was different than his brothers because Joseph was given a tunic or coat of many colors that his father did not give his brothers. And so his brothers now wanted to strip him of what made him different because they wanted him to be just like them. Nobody's going nowhere fast. But Joseph had the audacity to say, I just know there's greater on the inside of me. I know it don't look like it, but I just know I wasn't built to just stay broke and die. I wasn't built just to suffer through hell and die. I wasn't built to go through dysfunctional relationship after dysfunctional relationship and die. They stripped him. Then the Bible says they wounded him. Say they wounded him. 
A wound is a blow, a strike, a calamity. A calamity, that's an event that causes you great and often sudden damage or distress. That word wound, it means a heavy affliction, pain, stress, grief, and misery. Wounds normally come from nouns, people, places, things, and ideas. So now this man's circle wounds him. They give him a blow. They give him stripes. He faces heavy affliction. Isn't it funny how folk will come in your life, cause pain, stress, grief, and misery, and then while you left to put the pieces back together, and they moved on to the next victim. Okay, nobody has ever had that happen in here. Watch this. Isn't it amazing how it seems like the people you do the most for? Okay, I don't have no real people here. Okay. Okay, well, this is just for those of us that can relate to it. Isn't it amazing how sometimes the folk you do the most for are the people who do the very least for you? You may ever notice some of that with some of the folk in your circle. If you sit next to who I'm talking about, don't nudge him enough and just look at me and be like, say it, bitch. He was wounded. Say he was wounded. Now watch this. Can I call the role? Because several people in the Bible were wounded. In fact, nobody that ever became anybody great in the Bible did not have to deal with some wounds. And often those wounds came from their circle. It's amazing because Judas was at the table. Judas wasn't out there. Judas was sitting at the table. Okay, you missed the point. Uh, uh, watch this. It's amazing because sometimes the wounds that affect you deepest and greatest are going to come from the people that are closest. David was wounded by his father, but his father was wounded by David's arrogance. You know the story of David. I've taught it to you before. David now, when he's a 16-year-old boy, Samuel, the man of God, comes to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's daddy. So who's Jesse? David's daddy. Who's David? He's a 16-year-old boy. Who's Samuel? The man of God. What does he go to Jesse's house to do? To anoint a new king. And so Jesse brings out seven of his sons, and he presents them. I mean, he dresses them real nice. I mean, he puts on their Sunday's best. I mean, I mean, they're you know, there's their Sunday's best. They're ready to go. And so Samuel comes in, and he's anoints each king. And as he passes by each one, he says, "That ain't him. That ain't him. That ain't him. That ain't him." This happens seven times, which teaches us a principle. Can I parenthetically insert this for a moment? You're gonna go through more counterfeits than you will the real thing. I need to say that for somebody because somebody keeps saying, why does it seem like all the people, baby, maybe you just on number five or six. Sometimes it's going to take going through seven folk before you can get to the real thing. You'll always deal with more counterfeits than you will the real deal. Back to the text. And then Samuel says to Jesse, who's Jesse? David's daddy. Who's Samuel? The man of God. Who's David? A 16 year old boy. He says, there's no way. Uh, that uh, uh, any of these guys are the king. They look the part, but they're not the part. They talk like kings, they walk like kings, but they just don't have the inner workings to be a king. Sometimes it can look like it, but it doesn't have it. Okay, and so he says, there's got to be somebody else. And Jesse says, well, there yet remains the lad. He's out there, uh, but, he, you know, it could possibly be him. Now, here's what's interesting. You may look at that and think, how, how unfair of Jesse for him to treat his son David like that. Why didn't he love his son enough to bring his son in to be considered for the role of king? What's wrong with David? I mean, in the Hebrew culture, once you were the age of 13 as a young man, 12 in some instances, you were considered to be a man. So it's not that he was too young. What is the problem? I can't believe his daddy rejected him. But if you keep reading David's story, you'll discover that David's brothers and David's daddy knew something about David that David didn't tell us about himself. And that is that David was very arrogant. 
He was unteachable. He was hard-headed. He thought he knew everything and he knew the way to get everything done. And so Jesse was like, "I'm watch this. Uh, I, I need to teach my son a lesson because while this may wound him, his arrogance has been wounding me. Say they were both wounded. But it came from their circle, which teaches us a very interesting principle. Watch this, that there's sometimes folks in your life where you do nothing but exchange wounds with. The entirety of the relationship is wound to wound, wound to wound. You say this, I say this, tit for tat. You slap me, I slap you back. You punch me, I punch you back. You hit me and I'll hit you back. Some of you know folk right now in your life that you call them friends and really nothing more uh, than just uh, wrestling buddies. What do you mean? Because all y'all do is fight one another all day. It's, uh, you, you, they tell you something good and you're like, oh man, that ain't really nothing. If you can't be happy for the people in your circle, you need to go change circles. But I don't know about you. Everybody in my circle, I want to see them all do well. Everybody in my circle, I want to see them all reach the top. There's a problem if you can't celebrate the success of folk around you. David and his daddy exchanged blows. They exchanged wounds. That's the entirety of the relationship. You say something mean to me, I'm going to say something mean to you. You talk crazy to me, I'm going to talk crazier to you. You lie to me, I'm going to come up with a whole catfish scenario for you. Let me move on. Uh, David was seemingly forgotten and treated as if he didn't exist because his father didn't bring him before Samuel to be considered for king. David was wounded, but the truth is, Jesse, his father, was also wounded by his son. Let me say something because I know on a day like Father's Day, certain people, you've got issues with your fathers, but I want you to consider maybe your father's got an issue with you. Because you wouldn't accept an apology because you, oh, it got real quiet right there because... I better leave this alone. I better leave, I better leave this. I better leave this alone. But, but hurt works both ways. David was wounded by his father. Many people could probably, the statistics tell us, many people could relate to that. But David's father also had an unspoken wound that he didn't know how to handle except by pushing Jesse away or pushing David away. Say so he was wounded. Can I just call the roll a couple more times? Abraham was wounded by a relative. There's a difference between relatives and family. But it still involves his circle. See, so David's wounded by his circle. Jesse's wounded by his, by his, y'all with me? Abraham's wounded by his circle. He has a nephew named Lot. And Lot now, his name in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament means hidden motives. So Abraham and Lot began fighting over stupid stuff after Abraham was kind enough to bring him out of this place called Haran, which means a parched place. It means a starving place. It means a place of death. So check it out. Abraham's nice to Lot, then Lot fights with him. You ever had that happen? But like the person you help, they're fighting you the whole way through. I know about this personally as a pastor. It's like, I'm helping you and you just want to fight me the whole way through. It got quiet right there in the church. He's got hidden motives. Abraham did a lot for Lot, but Lot seemingly had hidden motives as it related to Abraham. And so now he's wounded by him. He's wounded by who's in his circle. David's wounded by who's in his circle. Jesse's wounded by who's in his circle. Abraham's wounded by who's in his circle. Samson, can I call the roll, church? 
he was wounded in a relationship. He had a relationship with this woman named Delilah, and she was a 10, but the problem is she was poison. She was a 10. She was very desirable. Her name in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament means one who weakens or makes poor. And this woman, Delilah, caused Samson to lose everything. The Bible says that he was one of God's mighty warriors, but he did not know how to pick relationships well, so he picked the very thing that killed him. Because he didn't know. Nobody ever taught him about wine, milk, and poison. She, she was poison. Lot, lot was milk. You're still here. So she ends up taking everything from him by one decision. She says, what makes you strong, Samson? And he lied to her a couple of times. And then eventually the Bible says she just kept wearing him down, wearing him down. And she said, fine. God, don't. And she tells, and he tells his secret. Now he already knew what she was up to, but somehow he had convinced himself that he had the ability to turn milk into wine. He had the ability to turn poison into wine. Sometimes where we mess up with people in our circle as we think we have the ability to be like Jesus and turn something from one thing into something that it is not. Okay, all right, watch this. <laughs> Say wounded. So watch this. Samson's wounded, Abraham's wounded, David's wounded, Jesse's wounded. The reality is everybody's going to deal with some wounds. Anybody in here ever been wounded? Okay, if you've never been wounded, you are the wounder. Let's just be honest. We've all been wounded, right? We all have. We all have. Now, check this out. The man in the parable seemingly is wounded, but his wound is a self-inflicted wound because he did not check his circle. He fell amongst thieves. And sometimes we can wound ourselves when we make decisions that we know are bad before we make them because the Bible doesn't tell us why he fell amongst the thieves, but the decision to go from Jerusalem to Jericho was his. And that road from Jerusalem to Jericho was notorious for its danger and its difficulty. And it was, in fact, known, watch this, church, as the way of blood. I got a question. If the name of the street is the way of blood, I'm just trying to figure out why you didn't try to take 225. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I'm just trying to figure out why you didn't take another route to get to where you were trying to go. It's because he didn't check his circle. He thought the people with him were going to protect him from the thieves, not realizing they were the thieves. Are you still here, church? So watch this. Watch this. That way was often a place that was known because of bloodshed, because there were robbers. So the man knew the decision was dangerous. But then there's another point here. Jericho was north of Jerusalem. So when Jesus said down, uh, uh, he was communicating a principle. Because that word down there in the scripture, it means to descend from a higher place. So the man went down in life and he became a low life because he surrounded himself with low lives, low thinking people, low achieving people. So he did not check his circle. So now he's in a battle for his life. Uh, there's, a, there's a show. Anybody, anybody use Netflix in here? Can you just let me know? Because I don't want to use this illustration if nobody knows what Netflix is. There's this show that deals with cards. And um, what's interesting about this show is that one of the main characters is often the thief that's in the presence of the other people he's around. But they don't know it, so he ends up taking them out not knowing what's been going on the whole time. Bishop, what are you trying to say? This man 
went down in life because he surrounded himself with people that didn't think like he thought, that weren't going where he was going, that weren't trying to achieve anything, weren't trying to be anything, didn't want to go anywhere. If we were to just take a moment and just take a snapshot of the circle around you right now, be honest about who's the wine, who's the milk, and who's the poison. And some of them, you know they're poisonous because their poison has already burned you before. Can I get any witnesses in here? You already know that wouldn't they lying. Why, Bishop? Because they're talking. If you have to go verify what they said, you're dealing with poison. Poison. Check it out. Say, check your circle. I'm done. Watch this. Here's what's interesting. This was a parable, so this man didn't actually exist. But Jesus tells us so well that you start to visualize him, even start feeling bad for him. But I want you to apply it to your life. I want us to apply it to our lives. See, watch this. The Bible says that they left the man half dead. They wound him, they strip him, and they leave him half dead. They thought he'd just bleed out from the wounds they inflicted. Just like every enemy you face. And what's an enemy, Bishop? An enemy is a person, place, thing, or idea that opposes your forward progress. But a major miscalculation was made. If they left this man, I already said it, but it's so good you can shout about it twice, half dead. That means they still left him half alive. But check out the best part. They left him. Which means they couldn't hurt him no more because they stepped off the scene, but they left him with enough life. I guess somebody in here to shout about the folk that left you. Shout about the stuff that left you. Shout about. Why am I shouting about that, Bishop? Because the best part of the verse ain't that they left him half dead, which means he's still half alive, is that they left him. Which means now he has the ability to recover. He's got the ability to bounce back. He has the ability to evolve. He has the ability to move in what God has ordained for his life. I got an announcement for your neighbor. The wounds didn't work. The weapons were formed against you, but they fail. We've all been wounded, but I'm going to tell you every battle, every problem, it's already won. Part of you may feel half dead where you're exhausted, confused, tired, weary, unsure in a daze with no praise. But with the part of you that's still half alive, it's time for you to evolve. So here it is. I want to give you four simple words, four simple words. They all start with S so you remember so that you know how to deal with this daily battle. Say, check my circles. Now, you're going to deal with some wounds. Anybody, just can you be real honest, you're at Harvest, so you don't have to lie here. You don't have to do the church game, you know, where you pretend like, oh, no, brother. <laughs> Bishop, God's been so good to me. I have no issues. My last battle expired yesterday at 432. I, I've got no battles. I'm battle free. Touch your name. So you can be honest here. How many right now, you got some wounds right now? All right, good, good, good. I'm going to show you how to deal with that. Touch your name. So you're going to handle that. Here it is. Watch this. Watch this. Number one, speak. Speak. Say speak. Joel 3.10. It says, let the weak say I am strong. When you're wounded, you're going to have to speak it until you see it. See, you may feel weak. You're going to have to say, I'm strong. You may feel unwise. You're going to have to say, I'm wise. You may feel unforgiven. You're going to have to say, I'm forgiven. You may feel like you're not favored. You're going to have to say, I'm favored. You may feel bitter. You're going to have to declare, I'm not bitter. I'm just banner. My best year yet. Don't speak the negative you shall or you do see. Speak what shall be. 
Don't speak the negative you see. Speak what shall be. And that's hard. Because let's just be honest. When we're wounded, the only thing we want to do is talk about is our wounds. Let me prove it to you. If your child has an owie, what's the first thing they want to show everybody when they walk to Harvest Kids? Look at my owie. Some of y'all do that in romantic relationships. You just show your owies to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm just getting out of a really bad breakup. I don't really trust anyone. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You show your owies. You go to work. How you doing? Oh, I'm just so stressed out. <sighs> well, it's Monday morning. You need to say that to later on during the week. We got work to do. Ain't nobody got time for that. Say, speak. So let the weak say I am strong. I dare you right now to shout something that feels opposite than what the truth is. Do it right now. Uh-uh. Redo. Rewind. No. I say I want you to say something that feels opposite of what you think the truth is. Let the weak say I am strong. In other words, they had to say it before they'd see it. Say I say it to see it. Right now, over whatever you're feeling in your life, I'm feeling some type of way. Whatever you're feeling in your life, say something opposite of it. Do it right now. One, two, three. Do it right now. Yeah, that's how you win this battle. You're going to have to see it until you say it. You're going to have to see it until you say it. Number two, seek. Speak, then seek. You got to seek out the lessons from the battle. He fell amongst things. What was it in him that was drawn to what wasn't good for him? It's easy to blame these guys and say, oh, I can't believe they did to him. The problem is, why didn't he see he was dealing with poison and milk? Why did he make a bowl of cereal with bad milk? What was it in him that did not recognize what was around him? What was it in him that made him think that it was okay to have people around him that were not really fighting for him? There is a difference between armor bearers and pall bearers, but they both dress the same. Speak, then what? Seek. What are the lessons? Seek the lessons. That way you'll be able to mark people as you go through life. Some people can say, hmm, met you before. Yep, yep. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. Good, 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 good. Let's talk. Ooh, no. Why? Because when I see crazy coming, I cross the street. Don't take it personal. Not personal, just kingdom. You're not the snake whisperer. A lot of us try to act like that, though. We're going to change the nature of people. What's the first thing to do? Speak. Second thing to do? Seek. Number three, stabilize. The wounded people wound other people. So if you keep wounding people, it's a sign you're wounded. Now, check this out. The Bible says they poured oil and they poured wine. Then they bandaged it. Say oil, oil. wine, wine. band-aid. Say Pompeii. Pompeii. I'm not going to say any names of, of wine. Because I don't want your neighbor to. Now, you know, that's good, Bishop. Let me go get some magic chairs. Huh? <laughs> Pompeii is an oil, so I'm just going to say wine. <laughs> Band-aid. The oil represents anointing, grace, favor. What does that mean practically? It means the life-giving messages you get right here at church. That's the oil you pour on your wounds. 
If you're trying to watch this as, you know what, I just need a day, and you listen to all kind of crazy stuff, you're not pouring oil on your wine, you're pouring something else, or you're not pouring oil on your womb, you're pouring something else on your womb. You got to pour oil on it. That's what the messages are for. Then they put wine on it. A wine in that day was a disinfectant. It stings, but if you don't disinfect, you'll become infected. What does that mean, Bishop? It means very simple. Do not suppress the pain. Do not avoid the pain. Look at it head on and say every battle, every problem, it's already won. Every battle, every problem, it's already won. Stop avoiding what the issue is. Stop avoiding the tough conversation. Stop avoiding uh, 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 the issues that you need to address. Stop avoiding it. Uh, the wine represents a disinfectant, but you cannot disinfect what you will not first look at. Got it? Then they put a band-aid on it or bandage. Say bandage. That means to tie down and apply pressure. Whenever you're wounded, let me tell you what God does. God says you need some oil, you need some wine, and then you need a little pressure. Now the oil and wine are on you. The pressure comes from God. What do you mean it comes from God, Bishop? Isn't that crazy? Well, no, 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 no. Check it out. To make coal into a diamond, you need pressure. To stop bleeding, you need pressure. So God says the way you're going to be healed from your wounds is you need a little pressure. So I came to tell everybody that says, Bishop, I just got so much pressure on me right now. That's a good sign because that means the pressure is perfecting you. I tell you to high five your neighbor and say, my pressure is perfecting me. Here it is. Speak, seek, stabilize. Last one, I'm through. Secure. The Bible says that this good Samaritan, I don't have time to get into all of that. It says he brought him to an inn and took care of him. When you're wounded, here's our temptation to run from God, to run from life, to run from church. Because here's what we sometimes think the wounds will fix themselves. Anybody ever, anybody ever said this or been told this? Time heals all. That's a lie. Time don't do nothing. What you do in time can heal. Let me prove it to you, because there's some folk that are still mad about what happened in 88. And when they see certain folk, I can't. <laughs> Purple Ranger had just come out, and they still talking about what happened. And they still telling the story, because they're showing their owies. <laughs> And they said, it was right during the scene, and, and Apollonia was there, and it was right during that, and then so-and-so, they called me, and then I was like, what you doing, all that, and this, and that. They're still showing their wounds. Time doesn't do anything. What you do in time has everything. Did you catch that, church? Now, watch this. Here's what it says. Here's the shout. They took him to an inn. Say the inn. Hotel, motel. This is the 1115. They took him to a what? Inn. And they did what? Took care of him. That word inn has a very interesting meaning in Greek. And this is where we shout, church, Greek, the language of our New Testament. Here's where we shout. Say the shouts right here. Inn in Greek means a place they could be accepted. Okay. All right. Say a place to be accepted. 
the reason you're here, the reason you've been drawn here, the reason you respond to my voice, the reason that you are in this place, this is no coincidence, this is no accident, this is your end. This place called Harvest is the place you can be accepted. God's called you to Harvest, this is your end. This is the place where Jesus changed lives. And hear me church, we gotta be a church of good Samaritans. We can't beat others up when they fall. We can't throw others away when they're wounded. We gotta lift them up. Say, this is my end. Shout it like an army. Say, this is my end. The place you can be accepted. I'm not interested in being a church where we throw folk away, where we beat folk down, where we kick people while they're down, where, where, where people, uh, people, what's this, where, 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 where you got to pretend and be fake and phony and all that, because you can't really change in that atmosphere. Because you got to remember to put the masks back on. I came to tell somebody on this Father's Day 2017 that the end you've been praying for, the end you've been seeking, you're sitting in it right now. And if you're watching on one of those six digital campuses, this is your end. And I'm here to tell you, we're not going to let you fall. I'm here to tell you, we're not going to let you stay down there. You might be, come on, let's shout this out together, church. You might be half dead. You might be discouraged in some area. You might be depressed in some area. But you're still half alive. I need the folks to say, I still got some life in me. To jump on your feet and give God a praise. I said, give God a praise. I'm still alive. I still got life to live. Shake your neighbor's hand and say, I'm still alive. Say, I still have life to live. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, all of this auditorium. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.